Episode 45, Playing Dr. Frankenstein, originally posted February 8, 2018. As a kid, G.I. Joe was my toy line. Unlike Transformers and Masters of the Universe, those were much cheaper, so I could actually get more toys using just my allowance. And I amassed quite the collection as a kid, but unfortunately sold most of them off when I started getting interested in other stuff. Fast forward to the year 2007. In celebration of the 25th anniversary of their 3 and 3 fourths inch A Real American Hero action figures, Hasbro launched a new toy line featuring Joes with updated sculpts, improved articulation, and details. I was sorely tempted to collect this exciting new 25th anniversary line, but initially, I resisted. At that point, all I collected were Transformers, which I rationalized were okay because I could fiddle around with them and transform the robots from time to time, as opposed to a Joe figure. At that point, I was well past the age of reenacting pew-pew battle scenes, so all these G.I. Joes would probably just end up standing on a shelf. Then, in 2018, I moved to Singapore. And thanks to a significant bump in my salary and thus more disposable income, the temptation to check out these new Joes started eating at me again. So during a moment of weakness, which coincided with a lull in any new Transformer releases, I told myself that if Hasbro ever did a modern update of my favorite but very obscure Joe, Airborne, I would give in and buy it. And so with that in mind, I googled 25th Anniversary Airborne, not expecting to find anything. But to my surprise, there he was! So on my next toy hunt, I set off to find him. And find him I did, along with an updated beachhead, mutton junkyard, wild bill, and a cobra paratrooper. And just like that, I was hooked. Unlike Manila though, G.I. Joe didn't seem to be that popular in Singapore and I had to rely on hobby specialty shops just to satisfy my Joe cravings. But when I went home for the holidays, it was open season on G.I. Joe purchases. I scoured every single retail store for every character I could find. And there were a lot. By the end of 2008, I was no longer in denial. I was a full-fledged G.I. Joe collector again. Anyway, one thing the real American Hero toy line is famous for is that it introduced literally hundreds of unique characters. And despite the prolific release schedule of the 25th anniversary line, it would be a tall order for Hasbro to recreate every single character from the original one. So it was inevitable that many characters, mostly the obscure ones, but some key popular ones as well, would be left out of this modern revival. Eventually, despite numerous characters Hasbro had already released, I began getting obsessed with those certain ones that we didn't get. So instead of waiting for characters that may or may not come, I decided to take things into my own hands. In the original Vintage line, one of the main reasons why Hasbro was able to release so many characters was because they mixed, matched, and reused parts in order to create new figures. If you look close enough, one would notice that many different characters shared the same parts, just painted differently. And as expected, the same was true for the updated 25th anniversary line. So I figured that I could come up with certain characters that I wanted by assembling them out of parts from existing characters. Now as a kid, especially towards the tail end of my toy collecting days, I would regularly take apart my Joes to make new characters. I actually turned them into wrestlers to compete in my own wrestling federation, but that's another story for another time. So this whole idea of creating new action figures out of mixing and matching parts was nothing new to me. What I'd never done before though was actually painting them, so I had to do my own online research for that. But it seemed doable. So armed with a game plan, I set off to do my first ever custom. 
Luckily, the Joe I set off to make didn't require any special parts. True, I had to cannibalize some perfectly fine action figures to get the specific parts that I wanted. Fortunately, cheap loose Joes weren't that hard to find at the toy flea market in Chinatown that I would go to every Sunday. Now, customizing and painting an action figure the right way is a very tedious process. First, you have to completely take apart the figure or figures and patiently paint each part with numerous light coats of paint at 5 to 10 minute intervals to allow each coat to dry properly. Of course, my first attempt was far from perfect, but I was ultimately okay with it, and it definitely whetted my appetite for more and more customs. It gave me a sense of empowerment. No longer would I have to wait for Hasbro to release a specific character I wanted. I could just make them myself. Pretty soon, I was playing Dr. Frankenstein looking for ideal body parts for my projects. Luckily, instead of having to search through graveyards and morgues, I instead rummaged through countless loose toy bins at the flea market for that perfect figure or part for a specific custom that I had in mind. I got so obsessed with this hobby that it came to a point where I was even buying the occasional brand new figure just because they had the perfect body part that I needed. Fortunately, there were quite a lot of even brand new figures available for cheap. And as if that wasn't enough, I would even resort to getting original vintage Joes from eBay just so I could get my hands in the original weapons and accessories from my customs. And no toy line was off limits. Pretty soon, I was using parts from even Star Wars figures and obscure lines like Indiana Jones and so on. Back then, most of these vintage Joes and obscure Star Wars figures were all reasonably priced. Nowadays, these same figures fetch up to hundreds of dollars on eBay, and back then, I literally just cut them up for parts. Pretty soon, I was a full-fledged customizer with a good set of paints and brushes as well as a vast collection of these parts and accessories just waiting to be used in my next custom project. I even had my own mini vice for popping open figures. See, unlike the original figures that were basically held together by a screw, these new Joes had their torsos glued shut. So I had to use a bench vise to squeeze these newer action figures and literally pop them open like nuts. I know it sounds rather scary, but it actually wasn't that difficult to do. Anyway, towards the latter part of my customizing days, I was really pushing the envelope, not being satisfied with just putting together different parts and painting them. I was cutting up web gear and equipment to create my own. I even started using epoxy putty to sculpt details such as hair on my figures. It was really fun coming up with creative solutions to getting the exact look and figure that I wanted. Every new character I set out to do presented more challenges for me. In a span of about 3 years, I customized about 30 plus action figures. And not to toot my own horn, but I'd like to think I got pretty good at it towards the end. I also discovered a whole new community of G.I. Joe customizers online that I could share my work with, exchange character recipes, and draw inspiration from. There were more than even a couple of occasions when my work would be front-paged or featured as the custom of the week on some G.I. Joe fan websites. It really is satisfying having something you create get noticed and appreciated. Anyway, I thought it'd be fun to go over some of my favorite customs. Admittedly, some may look rather rough around the edges, but at the time, I was quite proud of them, and I still am. First up is Law & Order. This is actually my first ever attempt at making a G.I. Joe custom. Law was always first on my to-do list for a couple of reasons. First, he seemed like an easy custom to make given that I had most of the parts needed. And more importantly, I've always liked Law because he was the first G.I. Joe character to be named Chris. One difficult part I had to do was figuring out how to place the letters MP on his helmet. Since my painting skill level was nowhere near good enough, I had to rely on using some dry letter transferring sheets, which turned out pretty good. Then we have sci-fi and fast draw. 
In my opinion, one of the dumbest ideas from the 2009 G.I. Joe live-action movie were the introduction of the futuristic accelerator suits. Unsurprisingly, they weren't very popular with the fandom, and so store pegs were clogged up with unwanted accelerator suit Duke and Ripcord action figures. Fortunately, these peg warmers turned out to be the perfect custom parts fodder. I figured by modifying the helmet, i.e. slicing off the bottom part of the faceplate, I could get a good modern version of Sci-Fi's helmet. I got a lot of kudos for that idea, and a lot of other customizers followed suit. Fastra was an even easier project, as he was mostly a repainted accelerator suit with the original gear from the vintage figure. Next up, we have two snow operatives, Iceberg and the lesser-known Blizzard. These two are notable for me because I fashioned unique headgear for both of them. For Iceberg, I made his headgear by basically cutting up an existing helmet and reassembling it inside out with glue to make it look closer to the original figure's headgear. It was something I kinda did on the fly and was quite proud of the outcome. This was also my first attempt at painting an African-American face, which did not come out very good. So I ended up just swapping it out for a Samuel Jackson Mace Windu head, which worked out better. As for Blizzard, his helmet was made by using the original vintage one, which I modified by slicing off the entire front portion and fitted with the modern Snow Serpent's goggles, and just re-glued the original nose piece onto the bottom. Still looks like the original one, just more realistic. And then there was his backpack sled. The original action figure was cool because his backpack was actually a little sled that he could ride. For my custom, I used the vintage figure's gear and constructed an actual harness by cannibalizing another figure's backpack, where the sled could be attached to his back more realistically, as opposed to the vintage figure which relied on your typical backpack to stay attached. Anyway, another odd design from the live action movie were the numerous vipers that they introduced. A far cry from their cartoon and comic counterparts, these Neo-Vipers look more like they came from a science fiction movie. Anyway, in another random moment of inspiration, their bulky armor served as a springboard for another character, the Joe Explosives expert, Lightfoot. All I did was glue on some grenades to his chest and add some electric taped strips to the sides of his legs, and topped it all off with the unique gear from the original figure, and I called it done. Now sometimes, all it takes to inspire a custom is a simple head from a character from a different toy line. Most notably, I got a lot of ideas from Star Wars figures. Case in point, when I saw this comic book 2-pack of Luke Skywalker and Dina Shan, Luke's blonde wavy hair reminded me of the G.I. Joe Deceptive Warfare Specialist, Psychout. Once again, I used an accelerator suit body with repainted shoulder pads to pay homage to the original vintage figure's breastplate and red radar dishes. Yes, this was more of a modern take, but I still made it a point to give him visual cues that linked him to the original design. And as for Dina Shan, I immediately saw the opportunity to use her head for a newer female Joe named Bombstrike. And speaking of female Joes, all this customizing gave me an opportunity to add even more of them to my Joe ranks. The Sniper Mayday and Hacker Firewall were two new female Joes introduced in the G.I. Joe comics by Devil's Due. The base for Mayday was mostly a reactive armor Scarlet from the live-action movie. Her head was from a Star Wars figure, Jess Gistang, with some Baroness hair on top. And for some added touches, I grafted on some laces from a couple of Copa Troopers onto her boots. As for Firewall, I did a little bit more improvisation since she never seemed to have any definitive uniform. So, I made one up, using bits and pieces from her different looks, which were most memorable. Most significantly, their leather jacket and the red dulled down pants, which I converted to an entire jumpsuit sort of thing. Add some appropriate gear like a trusty laptop and a pistol, and she was good to go. Next, we have the infantry trooper Footloose. 
the rebel pilot Big Starklighter sparked off this one. When I saw his head, it just screamed footloose to me. This was my first attempt at painting some camouflage. Unfortunately, it came out a little darker than I'd like, but oh well. I also wanted to use a repainted vintage helmet, but at the end of the day, I found it a little bit too bulky. Then I got a revelation and experimented with using just masking tape, painstakingly cut and shaped to look like leaves. And I'm pretty happy with the end result. And finally, we have two of the last customs that I did, the Samurai Budo and Ninja Jinx. For Budo, I was waiting for the perfect torso to use for this custom, and once again, I figured that the Accelerator Suit's metallic robotic body, if painted brown, could sort of pass for intricate armor. The chest plate was a last-minute addition taken from an ancient Jedi Knight's uniform. Now the helmet was another obstacle, but taking a cue from Footloose, I whipped out the masking tape and basically went crazy, adding as much detailing as possible. Everything there is just masking tape, although the horns are cut out from some sturdy construction paper and then wrapped in masking tape, and the centerpiece jewel was cut out from some random action figure's accessory. And last but not least, we have Jinx. This is probably the one that I'm most proud of. For Jinx, I wanted to avoid the whole modern reactive armor look that most Jinx customs at the time were going for. I wanted a straight up classic Jinx. Although it may look a little dated and cheesy, I think that it has some character and charm. So classic Jinx. I thought that the Marion Ravenwood figure from the really obscure Indiana Jones line with her voluminous sleeves and pants would make a pretty good base for Jinx. Now while the arms were good enough, her legs had virtually no articulation points. Anyway, I figured that the only really important part was the bottom portion of the leg, so I put two and two together, lopped off the lower legs below the knees and attached them to another Joe's more articulated upper legs. Add a little epoxy putty to smoothen off the connection and problem solved. But another obstacle was her dragon emblem on her chest, which I ended up just drawing on her with a permanent sign pen. Her hooded head was actually a cobra scuba diver head. I just added a little bit more epoxy putty to the top to make it more like a cloth hood and used the same sign pen again to give the eyes some lashes for a more feminine look. And finally, the black trimmings are just bits and pieces of black plastic that I shaved off and glued from various discarded webbing odds and ends. Turned out pretty good if I don't say so myself. Anyway, when I finally moved back to Manila for good in 2010, my drive for creating custom Joes pretty much petered off. Whether it was due to a lack of time or a lack of any more characters to create, I did my last full Joe custom sometime around 2011. Since then, I dabbled in other customizing paintwork here and there, doing some Transformers and a whole tribe of Ewoks, but never at the same frequency level that I was doing them in Singapore. In addition, after years of working in front of my computer screen, my eyes are definitely not as sharp as they used to be. Yes, I am getting old, so it has been really hard doing even the simplest paint modifications. Nowadays, I'm glad to know that the body of my custom work can still be found online on JoeCustoms.com, a website dedicated to, well, G.I. Joe Customs, to which I religiously submitted my work to back in the day. I'll place a link to this website below in the comments. While it may not be for everyone, customizing is a fun and exciting part of toy collecting. Even if I no longer do it extensively today, I will always be proud of the work that I did. It was a rich and fulfilling experience for me, learning and challenging myself and allowing me to creatively express in a way I never imagined. So if any other collectors out there try their hands at customizing toys, what toys do you customize? Let me know in the comments below and tell me your story. Thanks for watching Stories from the Toy Shelf Redux. If you enjoyed this story, 
please click on the like button and subscribe to the channel to help me tell more. Until the next one.